0: Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You that it is true. You are the one who speaks and things happen. You are the God who makes things possible. And we worship You today. We lift Your name high and we say thank You for Your presence here amongst us by Your Holy Spirit. Um, And we thank You for all that You're doing and all that You have done. We give You all the glory and praise now and forevermore. Amen i want to say welcome this morning it is so great to have you with us joining in and um, if it's your very first time or maybe you've been linking in through this whole season wherever you are whoever you are we want to say welcome it's so glad we're so glad to have you Um, and it's so good to be together. I don't know if you realise it's 16 weeks since we've actually gathered in person face to face today and that probably feels like a long time. I know we've been feeling it as well and uh, we're thankful for technology, thankful that we've been able to still meet um, even though we've been in different locations over this time but we are missing being face to face. If you haven't had a chance yet and you wanted to connect in with The Connect Group, they are great ways of being part of the community that you can do right now. So you can jump onto the website, you can link in that way and join in. We're about to start a new Churchwide Connect Group series, not too far away as well. So that would be a great opportunity. But I wanna share with you some really great news. Uh, With the the release of the um, restrictions, easing a little bit more the news this past week, we are actually moving into a phase of being able to gather back together, not this coming Sunday, but on the 19th of July. And so some details around that we've been working hard um, obviously in still we want to keep everybody safe and so there are restrictions about how we're going to do that as we ease back in numbers will be limited but here's the thing we can come together for services on a sunday here in a1 at 8 o'clock 10 o'clock 4 p.m and 6 p.m to do that you will need to book in places are limited and so we are asking also that people would just book for one of those services in that day The good news is we're still going to be live streaming our 10 a.m. and our 6 p.m. services as well, so you can still connect in wherever you are so people won't miss out. But we have another exciting feature as well. In our A2 Auditorium, we are going to be trialling a very new kind of service for families. So if you've got children who've been in our Junior Buzz or Sunday Buzz groups or even younger than that, You can join us in A2 um, as we do a family style service Some features for the kids. There'll be some interactive parts as well that we'll be doing. Engaging with the Bible as a whole family as well and some talks for the adults while the kids will have some activity sheets to work on. So you can join in with us. You will need to book in for that as well. The details to book in will be released um, in the news that you'll be able to see them. But from Tuesday, prior to that Sunday, you'll be able to book in online or you can phone the church office as well. So we're really looking forward to gathering together as the um, restrictions are easing as well. Something else we're looking forward to is this Thursday night we have our Unify. We did one a little uh, while ago and we all jumped on Zoom as a whole church and we gathered together sharing some of the exciting things that God's been doing as well as the things that God is calling us to. And so we have another Unify Zoom gathering this coming Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. You can have a look at the website for the link um, in the online calendar just to jump into Zoom and everybody is welcome to do that, um, to find out what God's doing and to encourage one another and also just to be excited about how we'll be gathering back together again very soon. So that's this Thursday night. We have a church meeting coming up on Sunday, the 19th of July as well for all of our church members and others who are interested in finding out some of the faith stretching things that God is calling us to as we move into this next year ahead. And so you just want to pencil into your diaries and find out some more details about that as well. The last thing I wanted to mention as part of our service this morning, we are going to be sharing in communion at the very end of our service. So I wanted to let you know that in advance um, in case you want to grab some bread and some juice or some of the elements that you might have at home that you can get um, prepared and ready for that as well. But we wanna move into some prayer and we just wanted to say, um, say an expression of sympathy actually this morning because Nick and Marnie Meredith, um, Nick's mother passed away just recently and we wanted to let you know, Nick and Marnie and Zach, uh, Jack and Zali as well, that we're just thinking of you. We wanna send our love to you guys at the moment and pray for you to know God's comfort um, really especially at this time. So we're gonna do that right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your care as well. And we do actually right now just think of Nick and Marnie, Jack and um, Zali and their whole extended family as well, just on the loss of of Nick's mum. And we pray that they would know that the God of all comfort is who you are, would comfort them, you would surround them um, with your love, that they would feel your presence in a really tangible way and know um, just yeah your help in this season as they mourn. Um, and your comfort in a really special way as well. We think of others right now um, who are struggling in the midst of this season with lots of different um, situations and circumstances. And we just pray, great God, that you would be their support, you would provide, you would help, um, and that you would bring comfort as well to those who are struggling at the moment. We think of those who are unwell as well. And just wanna pray um, that you would be moving and helping people on their behalf as well. For Melissa and for Jesse, we pray particularly for them right now, God, that you would work in great power male's body, uh, you'll be with those doctors as they are helping and that that treatment will be really effective. Uh, we think of uh, David as well and pray, Father, just for um, recovery and um, just your hand upon his body, um, post the surgery that he's had and for the upcoming surgeries is coming as well. Just be near him and Sarah and the whole family as well, God, we just commit them to you. And for others who are just with ongoing needs as well, may they just know that you are God who sees us, you're a God who's with us, you're a God who is for us. And we just want to give you all the glory and praise today and thank you that you are moving and acting on our behalf. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. We're going to continue in our service now. We're going to hand back to the team as we um, sing another song and prepare our hearts um, to open up the Bible together. How great is it to worship, Lord, we together this morning? Um, and to know that He's for us and He's with us and He loves us. And that's actually what we wanna do now as we come now to open up the Bible and to hear more about God's character, um, more about His goodness. And so it's my great joy to introduce Nathan to you this morning, our senior pastor, who's got a great word from God for us.
1: Well, thanks Trish. It's uh, really great to be sharing with you this morning. Recently, I heard the story of a pastor who at the end of a church service invited people to come forward if they wanted someone to pray for them. And about midway through the line of people stood an imposing, intimidating looking man. And when the minister asked about his prayer request, the burly guy said, Reverend, I need you to pray for my hearing. The pastor quickly placed his hands over the man's ears and prayed fervently for restored hearing. And when the minister finished praying, he looked the man squarely in the eyes and shouted above the worship band, how's your hearing now? To which the man loudly replied, I don't know yet preacher, my hearing isn't until next Wednesday at the courthouse. A funny story, but you know, it highlights the fact that all of us are in need of redemption. Pastors include, in fact, especially pastors. We need it. We are all in the same boat, and we're going to see this clearly through the message today. And today we're in the final week of our series, "Redeeming Love," looking at the Book of Ruth. And today we come to the climax of this love story. The ending of all endings. It's very romantic. It involves a wedding and, and a baby as well. So uh, it's really exciting. Guys, tune in, stick with us for this last part of the story as well. Let me give you a quick recap, particularly if you're just linking in for the first time today. The curtain opens, Ruth chapter one, on Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, and their two sons. They're journeying from Bethlehem to Moab because there's been a famine in Bethlehem. When they get to Moab, first uh, Elimelech dies suddenly and then Naomi's two sons, they also die and she is left with two Moabite daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. She begins to go back to Bethlehem because she hears news of food and blessing there. Orpah stays in Moab, but Ruth commits herself to stick with Naomi. And so Naomi walks back into Bethlehem bitter. She is a woman with deep hurt. She's lost everything, lost everything that she loves and has come back with nothing, or at least she thinks she has come back with nothing. And the next day we see Ruth going out into the fields and finds herself in the fields of Boaz, the knight in shining armour. He takes to her, he protects her, provides for her, sends her home in the days to come with plenty of grain, enough grain to last the whole year ahead. And the two main problems that we've seen in this book are that these two ladies, they are widowed childless women in in ancient Israel culture. And this means that they need food, provision of food, and they need a family. It was the curse of all curses to not have an heir for your family line to die out with you. And so the picture is they're in need of these two, these two things, food and family. In Ruth chapter two, the need for food was met. Ruth finds herself day after day working in the fields of Boaz. But the problem is week after week after week in the fields, um, Boaz is still doing nothing to pursue her. So Naomi Ruth's mother-in-law takes things into her own hands and she comes up with a plot we saw last week and Ruth proposes marriage to Boaz on the threshing floor at night. And Boaz is humbled by this and they stare looking up at the stars together from the threshing floor, but then Boaz breaks the news to her that there is actually another guy who has the right to marry Ruth before he would. And it's this big letdown It's like the wind just comes out of our sails in this very romantic scene. And you get to the end of chapter three and the curtain closes with Ruth and Naomi um, sitting there waiting to see what Boaz is going to do. God has answered the need for food. Now, how is he gonna answer the need for family? That's where we pick up the story here in Ruth chapter four today. Verse one, it says this. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, Just as the kinsman redeemer, he had mentioned, came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Okay, we're gonna pause here for a moment. There is a key term here, the term kinsman redeemer, or your version might have guardian redeemer or family redeemer. We saw this term back in chapter two and then in chapter three. It's two words in the English, but one word in the Hebrew. The picture really is twofold. Firstly, kinsman here means nearest adult male relative, the, the nearest of kin to someone. Today still, if you're filling in a form, sometimes it'll ask you to fill in your nearest of kin. So in order to be kinsman to Naomi and Ruth, they needed to be the nearest adult male relative to Elimelech uh, or to their sons, Malon and Kilion. The second term, redeemer, meant that this person would have the right, if he was able, to purchase and acquire all the property that, that belonged to Elimelech and his sons. So he would be able to redeem, to buy back and inherit this property. But there was a condition on this and that is that the kinsman redeemer also had a duty, a responsibility to care for the family, including producing an heir to carry on the family name. Now, this was a law that God had set up in order to bless his people, particularly those in tragic circumstances, the widows in need to make sure they were cared for and their families were cared for. Then we read in verse two, that Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Now, what these elders are gonna do is they're going to witness this transaction, this agreement, this conversation that's gonna take place. They will be witnesses to this. So you've got these 10 elders that are sitting around at the town gate, but then surrounding them, you've likely got a growing crowd, people passing by who can see something's about to take place here. And so they wanna know, they wanna be in on the action. And so there's this crowd that are beginning to build that are watching and listening in to what is happening. This is a scene and Boaz begins to speak and he is very subtle and shrewd, quite cunning actually, we'll see here. Verse three, it says, Now, this is an offer that this guy cannot refuse. Boaz just put it on a golden platter for him. This is a no-brainer for this guy. Basically, what he gets is a piece of land. And remember, in this time, that land was everything. So he gets this land that he can use to produce fruit, to harvest from in the years to come, and then to pass on as an inheritance to his sons. And all he has to do in return is just be willing to bring Naomi into his house and she's past child-rearing age. So it will involve a little bit of assets to care for her, but the reality is in the long run, this is a no-brainer investment worth taking. And so he says, no surprises, yes, I will redeem it. Now, imagine if Ruth and Naomi just happened to be listening in on the crowd there somewhere. We don't know if they were, but imagine if they were listening in. Right now, I think they'd be pretty devastated. They would be thinking, how could Boaz let this happen? What is he doing? And if the book of Ruth ended here, it would be a massive letdown in the story. It wouldn't be much of a love story at all. But thankfully, Boaz knows exactly what he is doing. So Boaz says, verse five, continuing on, he says, oh, by the way, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Right? Boaz knows exactly what he is doing here in verse five. He says, By the way, I forgot to mention just one little detail. You see, it's not just Naomi in this picture. It's not just this one widow past child rearing age that you have to take care of for a little while, there is also Ruth. And Ruth is of child age, which means that if you bring her into your family, then you have a responsibility to provide her with children, including an heir, a son, who will then receive the inheritance of the land that you are about to purchase. And so all of a sudden, this land that he is about to purchase, that he had envisaged in his mind as being passed down to his sons, he realises probably this isn't gonna happen. Instead, it'll be passed down to this other son. And Boaz makes it clear that this is a son born from a marriage to a Moabite. Ruth the Moabite, he says, makes sure, he makes sure that's very clear to this redeemer and he'll, you know, highlight to him, do you remember the whole group of people that caused 24,000 Israelites to be struck down one day because of what Moabite women were doing? Well, yes, she is one of those. That's who Ruth is. And I wanted to make sure that this came to your attention. Just a little detail, Boaz says. Would that change anything for you? Boaz knew exactly what he was doing. He's being here really as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. That was the instruction that Jesus gave to his followers, to the 12, as he sent them out in Matthew chapter 10. And it's this principle in Scripture we see, in fact, of being subtle and shrewd as Boaz is doing it here. And I want to mention this to you because perhaps you are tuning in today and you are facing a, a difficult negotiation in a work situation or maybe in a family situation. And you know the decisions that are being made are, are not right or are heading in the wrong direction. And I want you to see this principle because often we are faced with complex situations and sometimes we are called to respond in this way. This is not about acting dishonestly. God always wants us to act with integrity. But God might be calling you to be, to be shrewd, to be subtle like Boaz in, in the situation you find yourself in and how you respond, to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove, as Jesus said. And that just might be for you this morning in, in your situation. I want you to hear that from God's word today. And so we see in verse six, the response says this, that this the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. And this is the moment we have been waiting for ever since the beginning of this book, in fact. This is where the orchestral music begins to swell from the background. The crowd goes crazy. The tissues come out, tears of joy start flowing. And then Boaz gives this final impassioned speech, which, is, which are his last words recorded in the whole book. Verse nine, he says this. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kileon, and Malon. And then in verse 10, here is the key part. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow as my wife. And he mentions her nationality again here. And this is really significant because we need to pause here for a moment again. I want you to think for a moment about where we have come on this journey from the beginning of the book until now. Ruth chapter one, verse 20, Ruth was described as Ruth the Moabite. Then in Ruth chapter two, verse 10, she was Ruth the foreigner, is how she is labelled. Then in Ruth chapter two, verse 13, she is the slave in Boaz's field. Then in Ruth chapter three, verse nine, she is a servant hoping for marriage. She's gone from Moabite, foreigner, to slave and now to servant. And now in Ruth chapter 4, verse 10, she is Boaz's wife, grafted in to the people of God. She has this new identity now. And it's the same for us when we come to Christ. Often in life, we have labels put on us, words spoken over our lives. Labels like that we are a failure that we are unlovable, that we are hopeless, that we are a disappointment, that we are unsuccessful, guilty, worthless, or even unworthy. But in Christ, we are given a new identity. We are called instead, we are called children of God. We are called loved and accepted. We are called valued and precious and righteous and holy and redeemed. And maybe you are tuning in today and you can identify with Ruth. You have been labelled like Ruth. You've had words spoken over your life that have been holding you captive. Well, you need to hear this morning that in Christ, you can be set free from all the labels of the past, the words that have been spoken over you and know a new identity through Jesus. This is a powerful truth. And so Boaz continues in verse 10. He says, I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or his hometown, today you are witnesses, he proclaims. And listen how they respond, verse 11. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. It's like the crowd are yelling out, Amen, this is good. Praise God for the way this is unfolding. And then we get to verse 13, and finally there is a wedding and a baby. The story started. You remember with three funerals, but it finishes with a wedding and a baby. Verse 13, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And then verse 16, Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. This is like the perfect finishing scene to a movie. You that cameras fade back. Grandmother is holding the baby in her lap. What a, what a perfect ending to an amazing story. And your heart just soars when you hear an ending like this. This is what we all long for deep within our hearts. And then you get up to walk out of the movie. And as you're walking out, the credits start to roll. And as you see the credits, something catches your eye in this list of names and you have to stop and check you saw it right and you actually sit back down because it changes everything now in the the movie, the story that you've just heard. And this is exactly what happens here in Ruth. It's like the credits start to roll in the story. All these names start to appear, but there is something really significant to come that's gonna change everything about this story. Verse 17, let's look at it. It says, "'The women living there said, "'Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. "'He was the father of Jesse, the father of David.'" What, David, King David is mentioned here? And the credits keep rolling. Verse 18, this then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. There it is again, King David is connected to this story. And you sit down because you suddenly realise this is more than just Ruth and Boaz and a little love story. But this is how God in one of the darkest times in Israel's history was providing a way for the greatest king in Israel's history. Ruth is King David's great-grandmother, This is shocking. Nobody saw this coming. When this story was taking place, nobody could have predicted or or thought that this is what would take place, that God would use a Moabite woman as a result of an Israelite who turned his back on the promised land to bring hope to an otherwise hopeless Israelite situation so that they would have the greatest king they would ever know. And we realise in this moment, that this whole story has been about something much, much greater than we could have imagined. It's quite incredible, an amazing twist in the end of this story. So why, why has God chosen for this story to be preserved for thousands of years? Why has God chosen for this story to be told even today as we're doing now among his people? Is it just for our entertainment? You know, a nice love story to make us feel good. No, it's clearly for, for so much more than that, a much deeper reason than that. I want us to see how this story relates to the bigger story of how God is redeeming a people for himself. It's the whole story of the Bible, in fact. And specifically, the kinsmen redeemers in this story, Boaz and Obed, are pointing us towards Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, the kinsman redeemer of the world. If we open the Gospel of Matthew, we read the credits at the start of Jesus' life story this time. And it says this, this is gonna sound familiar to you. Matthew chapter one says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of King David. Sound familiar? It's there again, isn't it? We see it again. And then in verse 16, it finishes in Matthew chapter one. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah who just so happened to be born in a little town called Bethlehem. Do you see how all the stories link together, these two stories link together? You know, Ruth has only mentioned one other part of the Bible and it's right here in the genealogy of Jesus. And a couple of things we can see here. Firstly, the fact that Ruth, who is a complete outsider, a woman, a Moabite, a poor widow is included in on the salvation plan for everyone. This is incredible. Like this, is, this is amazing. But what we see is that she is not the exception to the story. When we read Jesus' genealogy in Matthew 1, Ruth is not the odd one out here. Jesus' family tree is a story of grace upon grace. In there, we read about Judah and Tamar. Now that is a story of God's grace. Judah plotting to murder his brother, incest in, in the relationship there and not just forgiven, but accepted into God's family and included in on His eternal plan to bring salvation to the world. We also saw in there Raleb the harlot, a Canaanite prostitute. Again, a story of God's grace, not just saved, but accepted into God's family and included into His eternal plans to bring salvation to all people. And then we saw King David, the adulterer, the murderer, and Bathsheba. Again, a story of God's grace, not just forgiven and restored, but included in on God's eternal plans to bring salvation to the world through Jesus. What are all these people doing in Jesus' family tree? Surely you'd try and skip over them or hide them somewhere. But they're not just mentioned here, they are actually highlighted in Jesus' family tree. Why? Why would you do that? It was because Matthew was trying to show his readers that these people were not the exception to the story, but they were the point of the story. God was weaving the story of His grace into the story of mankind. Undeserved, unmerited, unexpected, unexplainable, unbelievable grace. And Matthew was showing that no one is outside of God's grace. Not one person. If, if you will come to him in repentance and faith, we too can experience this same grace that Ruth experienced and Tamar experienced and David experienced and on and on we see in that line there. You see, this whole love story of Ruth and Boaz is ultimately aimed at helping us to understand God's great love story and the truth that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. This is the real love story. And here's the first thing you need to know. The first thing is this, that like Ruth, we all need redemption. Spiritually, we need to be redeemed. Redeemed. And the word redemption means to purchase or buy back something. And in the Old Testament, it was used to describe the freeing of a slave through the payment of a ransom. And the Bible tells us that spiritually speaking, we are all in exactly the same place. We are sinners that are in bondage to sin and and to Satan. And we need somebody to redeem us out of that bondage. And a ransom is the price paid to redeem someone from bondage, from captivity. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. He says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He is our Redeemer. And in Boaz, we see the foreshadowing of Jesus and firstly, to be able to redeem Ruth. He had to be a near kinsman. And just as Boaz needed to be related to Ruth, so Jesus had to be, become related to us before He could redeem us. Jesus left all the glory of heaven. He came in human flesh, born in a manger in that little town called Bethlehem so He could die for us on the cross. Listen to Hebrews 2, how it puts it. Verse 14, Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity so that by His death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He, Jesus, became our near kinsman and he will remain our kinsman for all eternity. This is an incredible truth to grab hold of. Secondly, the kinsman redeemer had to be able to pay the price. Ruth and Naomi were too poor to redeem themselves, but Boaz had had the money, he had the resources necessary to set them free. But Boaz being related wasn't wasn't enough in itself. He had to be able. And when it comes to redemption, our redemption, nobody but Jesus is rich enough to pay the price. And the reason for that is because no amount of money can ever set us free, set sinners free. It's the shedding of, of his precious blood the blood of Christ that has accomplished redemption listen to how 1 peter chapter 1 verse 18 puts it for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect Jesus is able to pay the price for us because he lived a sinless, perfect life, a life we could never live. And only Jesus is able to redeem us. No one else can. It's in Christ alone. The third thing is this, the kinsman redeemer had to be willing. This is a third qualification here. In chapter four, we've seen that there was a nearer kinsman than Boaz, but that he was not willing not willing when he knew what was involved, what the costs would be. And it's really clear in this passage that in no way was Boaz obligated to redeem Ruth or to marry her. So why did he do it? Well, it was out of love. It was because he loved Ruth. Again, this picture of this Hesed love, this unconditional, self-giving, sacrificial love. You see, the nearer kinsman had the money but he was not willing. He was worried, in fact, that it would jeopardize his own inheritance. But just as Boaz acted out of love, so Jesus acted completely out of love because we are his and he loves us. And like Boaz, Jesus wasn't concerned about jeopardizing his own inheritance. Instead, he made us part of his inheritance, is what we read in the scriptures. And finally, the kinsman redeemer does all. The work. Once Ruth had come to her Redeemer Boaz and submitted herself to him, what did she do from that point on? Well, she just waits. She, she actually does nothing. Boaz does all the work from that point on. And likewise, our Redeemer Jesus does all the work in our redemption. Jesus' redemption for us is a free gift. Ruth couldn't do anything, even if she wanted to. And similarly, we can't do anything. And I want you to see here, there is a big difference between religion and redemption. Religion is all about what we do, but redemption is all about what Jesus has done for us. This is the good news of the life transforming message of the love of Christ. He has come to redeem us. And here is the most important point of the whole of the book of Ruth. And it's this, it's the truth that you need to be redeemed, that I need to be redeemed and that you need to place your faith and trust in your Redeemer, just as I do. And that Redeemer is Jesus. And when you understand what Jesus has done for you, that He has redeemed you, that no matter what you face in this life, no matter what trials or challenges you might come up against, your faith will remain firm because you know that He loved you so much that He was willing to go to the cross for you. And when you get this, your faith isn't built on the circumstances of your life or even on living happily ever after. It's built on the truth of the good news, of the message of the gospel, and the knowledge that ultimate victory has been won through Jesus. And no matter what life holds, Your eternal future is secure and one day you will live happily ever after. And as I reflected on this final chapter in the story, the words of Job came to mind. And you know Job's story, experienced great suffering and loss and many trials, trials and challenges, but he proclaimed these words in Job chapter 19, verse 25. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another, how my heart yearns within me. What powerful words of truth and assurance. You see, just like the book of Ruth, when God writes the last chapter of your story, it always ends well. And so today, as we close, we're actually gonna come and share in communion together. And in communion, we actually remember the price that was paid for us by our Redeemer. And we also give thanks for the fact that um, He has come and revealed His incredible grace to us and also the truth that our Redeemer lives, that He is alive, that He is victorious and we can be in relationship with Him. And so I wanna invite you just to join with us as we share. I can't think of a better way to finish this series and to share in communion together, and particularly this chapter today. So if you've got some bread and juice, you might wanna get that ready. But while we're getting ready for this, I do wanna say to you, maybe today you've been tuning in and you can identify with Ruth. You feel like, yes, I'm one of those people. I feel like I've had a, a label put on me. People have spoken words over me that have held me captive. Maybe words that you're a failure, that you're unworthy, that you're not acceptable, that you're not lovable. Whatever those words might be for you, I don't know. But I want you to hear this morning as we come to sharing communion that Jesus, your kinsman and redeemer, He loves you and He invites you to come to Him so that you can know a new identity in Him today. You can have His words spoken over your life, that you are loved, that you are valued, that you accept, that you are precious in His sight, that you have been, can be made holy in Him today. You can know that. Or maybe you're tuning in and for you, you've thought it's always been about religion, about what you have to do, but you've heard today that actually it's about redemption, about what Jesus has done for you. In the same way, I wanna encourage you if you have sensed the Spirit of God speaking to you, you too can come in repentance and faith and know what it means to have Jesus as your kinsman redeemer, not based on what you do, but on what He has done for you on the cross. That might be for you today, particularly as well. And maybe today, you need to understand that message of this unbelievable, unexplainable grace. You thought, well, I'm, I'm too far gone. How can God rescue me, redeem me, bring me into His family? I want you to hear the message from this story of Ruth and Boaz of God's incredible grace, that not one person is beyond the reach and the power of God's saving love and His grace today. And so if that's you this morning, if you sense God speaking to you, I want you to encourage you right now to respond in faith to Jesus, your kinsman redeemer. And you can do that by simply clicking on the link on the whatever platform you're watching on there, the one that says, respond to Jesus. Click on that link right now. I wanna encourage you to do that as a step of faith, responding to Jesus and He's calling to you today so that you can know this truth in your own life. You can know this experience of this relationship, this incredible love story that God wants you to bring you into as well. And I wanna encourage you to do that right now, to click on that link as we're gonna share in communion together. You do that now. And I wanna pray as we come to share in this meal together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the book of Ruth. Thank you for this message of your incredible redeeming love and your amazing grace. Lord, we are so blessed to know this. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our kinsman redeemer, that you have won it for us on the cross. And so now as we share in communion together, we worship you, we praise you. We thank you. And for those maybe now just responding to you, Lord, bless them, I pray. Fill them with the love and joy of, of your presence, your nearness, the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And so I wanna invite you now just in these moments, just to take the bread and to eat it as we give thanks in these moments together, moments of worship. Just take the bread, eat it, and give thanks for His sacrifice for you, the price that He paid for you. In the same way, I wanna invite you just to take the cup. Um, Jesus took the cup and He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant my blood shared for the forgiveness of sin. His precious blood paid the price for us to set us free. Let's drink together now as we give thanks and worship Him in our hearts. And so, Lord, now we worship You. We thank You. We praise You. Lord, it's true. Our Redeemer lives. And so we just want to continue to honour You and worship in this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just going to continue in an attitude of worship. The band are going to lead us in a beautiful song which speaks about all that Jesus has done for us, the hope that is found in Him, His redeeming love for all of humanity. And so we're just going to continue to worship now as the band lead us in this beautiful song of worship.
0: Oh, we do indeed um, praise You now. And what joy is the reality of ours, great God, that we will be praising You forevermore. And so we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You that You are speaking to us, that You are with us, that You're for us. And we just give You all the praise. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. If um, there was something in particular that you have felt this morning. If, they, if you want to make contact with somebody as well, we'd love for you to do that. We'd love to connect with people. You can email us at hello at and we'll get in touch with you as well. Um, but thanks so much for being with us. Don't forget, we have Unified this Thursday night. You're all invited to come and join us on our Zoom gathering. And it's not too far away till we'll be joining together as well in person. So check out all the details about that. But thanks so much. Have a great week. And we look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday.
1: Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our online services today. If God has spoken to you at all, please email us at hello at We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to do the life journey. If you have a prayer request, make sure you email to prayer at bridgeman.org.au. We pray you're incredibly blessed and we look forward to connecting with you soon.